welcome to 5% Radio, where it's all about learning like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. Please be sure to share and subscribe. Hello and welcome back to another episode of 5% Radio. Hopefully you're all doing well, 5%ers, and today is episode 19, and I want to talk to you about red dresses, focus, and doing the boring work. So, okay, what the heck do I mean by red dresses, focus, and doing the boring work? Well, first of all, the red dresses, I'm stealing an analogy from uh, marketing. I'm not going to call him a guru, but he's he's a phenomenal guy in marketing, but also just overall um, great entrepreneur, business leader, and just, you know, phenomenal author, speaker, sales, consult, all of the above, Alex Ramosi. He's one of my favorite people to study when it comes to marketing and business, just as far as like thinking goes. But one of the things that he talked about, he gave a reference to a uh, a scene from The Matrix, and I'm actually going to put the link to the specific scene as a YouTube clip down below in the show notes if you want to see exactly what I'm talking about. If you are a fan of the late 90s slash early 2000s movie series, The Matrix, which I think they just came out with one in the past like five years, but the originals were years and years and years ago. If you're a fan of those movies, then you know exactly what scene I'm going to be referencing. Uh, If not, then go in the show notes and click that link in the description for actually watching the scene of this movie. But in the movie, The Matrix, basically the premise of the movie is that they are people living a facade. So they're living in this fake reality that is a computer program running in their minds so that these machines can harvest the energy that their bodies produce and the machines can run their machine world. So basically machines are running a program in people's brains so that people think they're living real life even though they're not actually living real life. So with that as kind of the premise of the movie, and there's there's a lot more that I could get into and nerd out on. I'm not like a huge Matrix fan, but if you don't really understand the series, then I, you know, go watch this scene from the movie at least. But anyway, so in this movie, he's training this guy. So the mentor is training a mentee. He's training the prodigy that he's kind of bringing up to help bring down the system so they can set all these people free. And there's a scene in the movie where they're walking through a crowd of people and the mentor is instructing him on, you know, how the system works and blah, 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 this and that. And all of a sudden, every so everyone's wearing black and white. Everyone's wearing, you know, Black overcoats, white shirts, white tie, black dress, you know, whatever, white collared shirt underneath. There's there's all these people in just these plain colors. And then all of a sudden, walking in the opposite direction of where this guy and his mentor are walking, comes this blonde smiling at the guy the mentor is trying to teach, wearing a red dress and just kind of strutting by. And all of a sudden, the guy who is getting mentored, the protege, his name is Neo, He loses focus, totally loses focus, and the mentor asks him, Morpheus, he says, were you listening to me, Neo, or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? And he says, you know, Neo's like, well, I I was, and he says, look again, and he turns around, and the woman in the red dress is now a man in the movie named Mr. Smith holding a gun and is ready to kill him, and the point of the scene is that he got distracted. He got distracted by something shiny, if you will, something that was attractive to him. He was supposed to be going in one direction, and he lost focus because something appeared temporarily to be more attractive, even though what appeared to be attractive did not turn out to be what he thought it was, and it could have killed him. What's the lesson there? There are so many things in your success journey that will be the woman in the red dress, so to speak. 
So there's a proverbial woman in the red dress always waiting around the corner. And if you're currently in a situation where you're making $100,000, the woman in the red dress would be maybe something that would make $250,000, but it takes you further away from your primary goal. It takes you further away from your purpose. So a great example of this is that I was actually on the phone today with someone and um, so I'm currently in a space where I, I run, uh, you know, I do freelance marketing agency type stuff. And then I also have the uh, the passive income that my wife and I are building on the side. We're getting to a point where that's about to become our primary source of income. However, I'm always looking for little things that I can do on the side. Can I put in a couple hours into this and make, you know, $500, $700? Can I put in a few hours here and maybe close a sale that's, you know, two, $3,000 a commission, $1,500 a commission, whatever. Where is my leverage if I'm still in a place where I am having to actively work? My passive income is not my primary source of income yet. If I'm still working on building that up, is there something that I can do that is not a woman in the red dress, so to speak? It's not something that's going to take me offline of my goal. It's not going to take me to a place where it's going to cost me more time and it's going to actually take me in the opposite direction. It looks like a short-term win, but it's a long-term loss. That is a a distraction. That's like the, the just about the definition of a distraction. It takes me short-term. It seems like, man, this is great, but long-term, it's really a loss. Is there something that I can do? I'm always looking for higher leverage opportunities, not as a replacement for what I'm currently building for passive income, but as something that I can just throw more money in the bank and just make a little bit of extra money with very, very, very few hours of time invested. So I'm on the phone with a guy and we're talking about sales. Now, one of my friends used to do sales for this gentleman. He uh, runs a very successful company. It's in the construction world. And uh, one of my friends told me the very last day he worked for this guy, and he didn't even work for the guy full time, but the very last day that he worked for this guy as one of their primary salespeople, he made $4,000 in one day. So for most people, that's phenomenal money. For most people, that's phenomenal money. $4,000 in one day. Now, obviously, he's not making that every single day, 30 days out of the month. So he's not. it's not like he's making $120K a month, but he made $4,000 in a day. And then, so I'm like, okay, you know what? Po- possibly this could be a fit. And he told me, you know, we're not really looking to bring anyone on in a part-time position because I'm really just looking for, you know, can I handle a few extra leads? Can I close a few extra deals a week, a month so I can make a few, you know, two, three, four, five, six extra grand while working less than maybe 20 hours extra per month. That would be great. So I'm talking to the guy and he says, well, we're looking for this, this, and this, which would require these sort of hours and you would be working primarily in this time. Now, the time that he lists is the primary time that I allocate towards our passive income project that we're working on to completely get financially free before the age of 30. So I'm thinking, uh, man, short term, this would be awesome. Short term, would it be great to increase our income by another you know, $10,000 a month of commissions by working evenings and some weekends on my own schedule? But you know, basically, if homeowners are home and I'm going to do construction, I'm going to be working five to nine and some on Saturdays. Number one, I'm sacrificing time with my family, which that's a whole nother episode, but you need to have your priorities straight. Money can be made at any time. You will never get time back with your kids. You will never get time back with your wife. You can say, oh, we'll get we'll get time together when we retire. Well, statistically, a lot of people don't even make it to retirement. They die before that or they retire and they die like two or three years after. I'm not trying to be negative, not trying to be Debbie Downer, but you will never get your time back. I heard one man put it this way. He said, when you learn to treat time as gold and money as silver, he said, then you can become wealthy because then you'll understand what the true priority is. The true priority, the true flex, the ultimate freedom nowadays is not a big house, a bunch of nice cars, crazy nice vacations, you know, a yacht, all that. It's 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 not a third home and, you know, you got one in Florida, one in the North, you got one out. It's not that. The ultimate freedom the ultimate flex, the ultimate goal if you're looking to be successful nowadays in 2023. It's not what it used to be. 
It's not the bottom line. It's not your square footage. It's your freedom. It's how much time you have. Wealth has a time component to it. So I'm thinking about this, man. It would be great to make some extra money. Some of you are like, man, like you're stupid. Why would you turn that? But if it's taking me further away from my primary goal, then it's really not worth it. So watch out for the red dress. The red dress, as you become more successful, becomes more and more and more appealing, and it becomes harder and harder and harder to say no to. So the woman in the red dress walking by in the movie was just one thing. However, what if she was twice as attractive? What if she was three times, five times, ten times more attractive, and Neo could have gotten even more distracted if he would have been distracted any longer? If you go watch that link in the show notes again, I'll put that in the show notes for the Matrix scene movie link that I'm referencing But if you go watch that, if he would have been distracted any longer or any worse, he could have been killed right there on the spot. So what is that in your life right now that's distracting you? And it could be killing you in an area of your life. It could be killing your finances. It could be killing your primary goal. It could be killing your ability to achieve financial freedom because you just have to have this new car. You've got to have it now. You can't wait. There's no delayed gratification. You, you, ah, I've got to have it now. And it's $700 a month. And that exact same amount of money is what you could be investing into for your personal growth education. And then also building a B type business asset, or maybe you could actually be putting that into investments that would make you money in real estate or something else. Maybe you could be using that to build a pipeline passive income, but instead you're like, I got to have it now because you are distracted by the red dress. Now, as I said before, the red dress, the woman in the red dress gets, as Alex Ramosi put it, excuse me for the, you know, quoting him here, but he said the woman in the red dress gets hotter and hotter and hotter, meaning it gets more and more and more difficult to say no to. It gets harder every single time because if I'm making $100,000 a year, the woman in the red dress might be $200,000 a year, two hundred fifty. dollars But if I'm making $250,000 a year, the next woman in a red dress might be a million dollars a year. It might be a million-dollar opportunity that takes me off course. Short-term, it's great. Long-term, though, I'm losing ground on the field of the goal where I want to go. If I'm making a million a year, it might be taking me to five million a year or three million a year, but I'm losing focus. It's not actually what I want to do. In focus, by the way, if you've never heard this cute little acrostic or acronym, whichever one it is, is follow one course until successful. Follow one course until successful. So what are some examples throughout history of people that absolutely had focus and they were not willing to break their focus and they were willing to do what Hermosi calls the boring work. So I'm switching gears here. You've got to stay focused. You've got to learn to say no to the woman in the red dress. And if you're not sure if something is a distraction or not, just ask yourself, is this going to take me closer or further away from my ultimate goal? Closer or further away? If it's going to take you further away temporarily, you need to know that time domain. Okay, for three months, it's going to set me behind, but long-term, it's actually going to put me ahead. That's okay. It's not a distraction. That's part of your journey. But if it's going to actually take you further behind, away from your goal, for example, if I can make $10,000 extra next month on top of what we're making now, but I lose an entire month of my son's life and my marriage goes downhill, that's really, that's not a, that's not a short-term trade-off that I'm willing to make for long-term gain. Like that's 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 not something that I'm willing to do. So weigh your options there, but make sure you're not taking a short-term win for a long-term loss because a lot of people do that. It's a huge mistake. So learn to say no to the woman in the red dress and learn to focus. A few examples of focus and doing the boring work. What's the boring work? The boring work is just the monotony. The monotonous just, just doing it over and over 
and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I was reading a book recently by Coach K, the uh, basketball coach of Duke University. It's called Leading with the Heart. And in the book, he talked about the conversation that he had with a top coach. It was a buddy of his, and I, I was looking for the excerpt from the book, but I couldn't find that. I just finished the book yesterday, so I'm like, oh, it won't be that hard to find. It's 300-plus pages, and I, I could not find it for the life of me, and I was not willing to read the last you know, 100 pages of the book over again to find it. And uh, I'm not that great of a speed reader. So, you know, what are you going to say? But outside of me having a direct quote for you to hear, one of the things that he asked this coach was basically, you know, what have you found that separates the great players from the people that just stay good? Like they don't ever really become great. It was kind of his question. So what, what separates the champions from the rest? And the answer was something that the coach was really not expecting. And basically this uh, coach that had all this experience that he was talking to pretty much told him at the end of the day, it comes down to this, who is willing to put in what you would consider to be the boring work. Like who's willing to just go to the gym over and over and over and who's willing to get up and run again and lift weights again and keep their diet clean again and show up to practice and practice the layups and practice the free throws and practice the jump shot and practice the dribbling drills and, and practice the defensive drills and scrimmage again. Who's willing to play basketball during the summer, who's willing to play all the games, who's willing to give it 110% and wake up the next day and wipe the slate clean and not live off of the victories that you had the day before and start all over again at zero, knowing that you are pursuing a long-term goal with short-term sacrifice. Who's willing to put in the boring work is essentially what it came down to. And if you look at this example in any different area, apply this logic anywhere, the boring work is extremely important. When it comes to weightlifting, so think about this. So I'm 28 years old right now. My best bench that I've ever had, and I always go back to lifting because it's such just like a, a black and white, clear, like, okay, that makes sense. So when I was 17, so I'm 28 now, when I was 17 years old, I was benching 240 for four. So 240 pounds for a set of four, nice, clean reps, like no cheating. If you're a lifter, there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, cheat on bench press. You can heave the weight. You can be sloppy. You can not lock it out. You can get your butt off the bench. Like these were, these were good reps. So one set of four with 240 pounds. My best bench back then, clean, was about 275 pounds. Okay, so I'm 17 years old, and I was just doing the boring work of go to the gym, do chest, back, arms, shoulders, legs, abs, and cardio, repeat. Like I was a bodybuilder. I was just just lifting weights to lift weights. I was trying to be healthy. I was trying to get a good physique. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I'm five foot three, and I wasn't willing to take steroids, so that, that was never going to happen. Um, so I, I wanted to do that. But I got distracted. I got an injury when I was 17, which made me become a runner. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't get this fixed right now, so I'm going to become a runner. Then after that, I got into powerlifting. And then after that, I got into CrossFit. And then after that, I got into Strongman. Then after that, I got back into power building. And then after that, I got into Olympic weightlifting. And then after that, I got back to lifting heavy, and I finally got my bench up to 295. So over, and that was when I was about 27. So over a decade, I added 20 pounds on my bench. Let that sink in. It was a decade. It increased 20 pounds. Now, I'm, I'm benching 275 in high school, 240 for four, so really probably it's closer to 280-something. I'm benching that in high school, and fast forward a decade later, and I've only put on 20 pounds to my bench because I didn't have focus, because I was, I was, st I was still working out. I, I could justify it. Again, I could rationalize, tell myself rational lies, but it really came down to this. I was not willing to do the boring work. I wasn't willing to just do the same thing over and over and over. I'm like, oh, I should find the new way to work out because this is getting boring. I got to mix things up. 
But the people that are great do the same thing over and over and over. Think about this. Michael Phelps, the guy that has won the most gold medals ever in the Olympics. Michael Phelps trained for an average of six hours a day, and he ate a 10,000-calorie diet every single day. I found this article on Olympics.com, and it was labeled, What Does Michael Phelps Eat for Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner? It said for breakfast, he had three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, tomatoes, lettuce, fried onions. You lost me there with the onions. And mayonnaise, followed by three chocolate chip pancakes. There we go. That sounds pretty good. That was not all. After sandwiches and pancakes, it was time for a five-egg omelet, three sugar-coated slices of French toast, a bowl of grits, two cups of coffee to wash everything down. However, on the way to training, if he felt like having anything more, he would stop and have a go. So he, he would he would stop and grab something on the way there. For lunch, listen to this. For lunch, he would have half a kilogram of pasta. Now, a kilo is 2.2 pounds, so he, he would have a lot of pasta. So he would have half a kilo of pasta, two large ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread smothered in mayonnaise, and another set of energy drinks. Whereas for dinner... Add a pound of pasta with carbonara sauce. I believe I pronounced that right. A large pizza and energy drinks. I'm guessing they meant something along the lines of like, you know, Gatorade or Powerade. And this would make up around 10,000 calories a day, which should ideally feed five average men in a day. I'm going to cut that down and say, you know, three and a half to four because most people don't eat 2,000 calories a day, even though it's the recommended daily allowance, whatever. But think about that. Six hours a day. And he would eat 10,000 calories a day. Now, do you think there were days that he woke up and did not feel like getting in the pool? Abs stinking lootly. Guess what he did? He got in the pool. Do you think there were days that he got halfway through practice and he's like, you know what? It would be nice to be done. Do you think there were days when he wanted to neglect his dry work, which if you're a swimmer, that means if you're not a swimmer, excuse me, you wouldn't know what that means. But dry work is what you do on land. Like you're not in the pool. It's the lifting weights. That's the stretching your shoulders. That's, you know, keeping your joints healthy so you can actually train at that capacity because if you don't do that dry work, the boring, small, you know, super tiny details of working on your stabilizer muscles and stretching things out, making sure you're doing your recovery properly so you can go back and hit it the next day. If you don't keep up on that, then you won't be able to actually continually swim. So do you think there were days he did not feel like getting in the pool? Absolutely. What did he choose to do that I chose not to do? Speaking of that bench goal years and years ago, he did not do distraction. He didn't look at the woman in the red dress. He didn't look at, oh, this, this would be better. I should switch sports. I should. No. He looked at, okay, I'm going to do the boring work day in and day out because my goal is to win XYZ number of gold medals in the Olympics. And that was for decades and, you know, probably almost 20 years just to get to a place where he could win all those gold medals. And it looks like, oh man, that guy's day in the sun. It's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. He's sponsored by Subway, this and that, like amazing life. But think about the amount of work that he put in behind the scenes that no one ever saw, and he was doing the boring work. Another example, Bruce Lee trained an average of six hours a day. That guy was so fast. Back at the peak of his career, he died pretty young, but back in the peak of his career, he was so fast that the cameras they had back then could not catch his kicks. His kicks were so fast, they had to ask him to slow down because the cameras could not shoot enough frames per second to capture his kicks. Like, you wouldn't even see, like, oh, it, it would look like you blinked and you missed it, and you're like, what the heck is wrong? The cameras weren't fast enough back then. The, the shutter speed was not, like, they, they, they couldn't catch his kicks, so they had to ask him to slow down six hours a day of training. Chuck Norris was said to have practiced 100 kicks per day per leg on his training days. 
So let's say that he knew, and it's way more than this, but let's say that he knew seven kicks on each leg, which there's, there's you know, front snap kick, side snap kick, roundhouse kick, inside crescent, outside crescent, spinning back kick, spinning hook kick, spinning outside crescent. Like there's, there's all these different kicks, jump kicks. There's all this different stuff. Let's say it was just seven. So that's 1,400 kicks per day. There's a reason the guy's had, I think, double hip replacement twice. So I think he's had both hips replaced twice, if I'm not mistaken. That's the boring work. That's like that's not sexy, guys, to, to go into the gym again and do more kicks. Like, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. We're going to do more kicks. I, I Oh, wake up the next day. I, oh, nope, we're going to do 100 kicks per leg. Like, that's not sexy. That's not. Th- there was a point where that was like, oh, this is fun. And then he probably woke up one day after about, oh, let's say two days of doing 100 kicks per leg. You're like, oh, man, I feel like crap today. I'm really sore. I don't want to do this. Guess what we're doing today? 100 kicks a day. Guess what separated the best players from the rest? They were willing to do the boring work, do it over and over and over and over and over again. Guess what I've noticed that some of the best people do in the gym that lift absolutely ridiculous numbers? Some guy who's my same age, who's similar body weight, who's deadlifting or or squatting or benching, you know, literally 100, 200, 300, 400 pounds more than I am. Guess what separates me from that guy? He has put in more boring work. We've both been lifting for the same amount of time, but he's been doing the same thing repeatedly over and over. And instead of getting bored and saying, you know what, I'm going to switch directions. Oh, that that looks like a great program to run. Woman in the red dress, that looks like a fun program to run. I'm going to go ahead and switch over there. Instead of doing that, he kept going, adding a few more pounds, doing the same exact accessory movements. Okay, so today we're going to do bench, going to work on my upper back, triceps, delts, Maybe a little bit of traps, lats, biceps, core, get out of the gym. Guess what he did next week? Same workout. Guess what he did the week after? Same workout over and over and over and over again. There was a guy that was asked. He was he was a guy that owned a trash company, and I'm, I'm coming to a close here. He owned a trash company, and he was very, very, very successful. He scaled this company and then exited the company and sold it. So basically, he put systems in place to where the company could run without him. So it was an actual business not just self-employed. It wasn't built around a person. It was built around a process and systems. And he was able to develop that to a point where it was actually large enough, successful enough, and sellable. So he was able to exit the company and, you know, go away from it. And he was asked by someone, basically, what are you going to do? So now you have all this money, you have all this experience in this one particular industry. Are you going to go into, you know, name any any other field? Are you going to go into blah, blah, blah field and start another company? And he's like, "Why, why would I do that? He said, I have all this experience in the waste removal service. No, it's not sexy. No, it's not super exciting. No, it doesn't really thrill me anymore. But he's like, why would I go start something else when I put all of these hundreds and thousands and possibly tens of thousands, depending on how long you've been doing hours, into this one field? He said, I'm going to go. The the people did not make him sign a no compete. So he's like, I'm going to go open a company that does the exact same thing. I'm going to do it faster this time. I'll scale that sell it, exit it, and I'll keep repeating that until I'm basically where I want to be financially. So his answer was basically, why would I even take a second look at the woman in the red dress? Because I would be breaking focus. I'm going to do the boring work and do what I know leads to success. Do it over and over and over and over again. You've got to put your reps in. If you want to get great at what it is that you do, if you want to get excellent at anything, 
there are some boring things that I do in the industry that I'm in, the, the, the passive income asset that my wife and I are, but there's some boring things that we do. There's some things that I'm like, oh, yawn, like I, I could do this in my sleep, but guess what? We're going to keep doing it over and over and over and over again, because if you want to reach your goals, if you want to live a 5% life in any given area, for us, that's financial freedom, that's traveling the world, that's having time, that's having money, that's having the ability to do what we want, when we want, with who we want, wherever we want, whatever that version is for you, if you want to get there, you're going to have to be willing to say no to the woman in the red dress, stay focused, and put in the boring work. So what's the key takeaway? Identify the area of boring work that you need to continually do day in and day out and get to work and stay working. Six hours a day, 10,000 calories a day, 100 kicks, whatever that is, get out there and do the work. One last thing before you go, as always, guys, my number one goal in creating the show is to reach and positively impact as many people as possible. So we've got all kinds of people listening in so many different countries, but this information has personally impacted and changed my life, and I've seen it change the lives of countless others. So that being said, if you found today's episode helpful at all, please be sure to pay that forward and share it with someone else so it can impact their life too.